0: couch.com streaming wellness into your lives
1: you're listening to a quirky journey the healthy family podcast with your hosts Joe Witten and Fuad Kasab hey everyone it's Joe here I'm back <laughs> I know it's been shocking I've been really slack with podcasts this year so far but we we should be back on track now. I've just gotten home from three weeks in Spain and Paris with my two eldest children, uh, India and Simi, and we've had an awesome time. And um, I just wanted to pop in quickly and say hello before we start the podcast. We actually did an intro for the podcast while we were in Spain because I did try to get it up while we were there, but it was just all too much to... It was um, like we would flat chat every day out road tripping and sightseeing. So as you can imagine... I really didn't get any work done. <laughs> um, I took my laptop and carried it everywhere for who knows what reason. So next time I'll just leave it at home, right? But we had such a lovely time. And while we were there, like I said, we recorded the intro with our tour guide and good friend Victor um, there in South Spain. So this is the pre-intro intro to explain who Victor is, and then <laughs> we'll go into the podcast. Um Because I forgot while we were talking with Victor during the intro, I forgot to explain how we got to know him. So um, a year or two ago, I posted a photo on Instagram and my son, my kids are right into, you know, the World Cup and soccer, football, whatever you want to call it. And they had all these flags from different countries hanging up around the lounge room while the World Cup was on. And one of them was the Spanish flag. And I got a message on Instagram saying, oh, wow, Spanish flag, I'm in Spain, blah, blah. blah. And it was a, a guy, Victor, who had been following Quirky Cooking for years. And he said, if you ever come to Spain, make sure you look me up because I'm a tour guide. I was like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Didn't think of anything of it. And then um, fast forward a, a year or so, and we decided to go to Spain for a holiday Um, for the kids to practice their Spanish because they've been learning Spanish and um, so we messaged Victor and said hey we'd love to know about your tours anyway we got to know him over our um, holiday during our holiday in Spain and he's like one of the best people you'll ever meet so if you do go to Spain make sure you go and meet Victor and go to one of his tours Um, if you look him up on Instagram it's B-O-K-E is his page or he's also got another page we love Malaga M-A-L-A-G-A. Um, and I'll put that in the in the show notes, but he was the best. He just took us all over the place and showed us a side of Spain that we wouldn't have otherwise seen. And we got to talk to people with him interpreting. So <laughs> it was great. Um, but yeah, he's followed quirky cooking for seven years, ever since he got his Thermomix and he loves to cook. Um, so I took him a life changing food cookbook and he was pretty chuffed about that. And um, we just hung out and had a great time so we were having a, a really good chat while we were driving uh, on one of our tours and we were talking about um, you know how Spanish people live and how they eat and their longevity and things like that so I said this will make a great intro for the show so I twisted his arm and he um, chatted with us on the intro so that's the first part of the podcast we talk about that and the second part of the podcast the main interview is with my good friend Christopher Jolie who's a occupational therapist and GAPS practitioner here at home. And um, she's going to be talking about kids and fussy eating. So tune in and I hope you really enjoy it. And I'm thinking next podcast, I'll talk about traveling with um, food intolerances and allergies and special diets and how to navigate that when you're traveling, especially overseas, because I got so many questions from people on How do you, you know, what food can you take on the plane? How do you find places to eat? How do you cope with special diets when you travel? So um, I think I'll talk about that for the next podcast. So tune in again in a fortnight and you can hear all about that. All right. Thanks for listening and um, I hope you subscribe to our show so that you can not miss any episodes. And I'll chat to you soon. Hey everyone, welcome to A Quirky Journey. We are at the moment traveling in Spain and um, we're driving through what part of the...
0: We are right now in southern Spain, nearby Málaga, in a beautiful region that is called the Axarquía, between Málaga and Granada. There
1: you go. Straight from the mouth of Victor, our amazing travel guide and friend. (laughs) (laughs) I told him he's on my intro this um, podcast, and he's like, oh, I don't know about that. I'm like, come on. (laughs) So he's agreed to be on the intro, so we're driving to a little town up on the mountain, called... Comares. Okay. And we are driving through an area with lots of avocado plantations. Wow. It's amazing. If you haven't seen any of... India, get a photo of that. <laughs> this is what I say the whole time. Uh-huh. The almond blossoms and the England avocados. Oh, look at that. It's so beautiful. So we've been traveling through Spain, doing a road trip for the last two and a half weeks. We have nearly three weeks here in Spain. and and including two days in Paris, sorry, that's not Spain. Um, and we're just having an amazing time and I thought I would just send you all a little hello from Spain at the start of the um, podcast and we'll just talk about a few things that we've been... Um, seeing and learning here where we've just been driving along um talking about the food here in spain and um you know it's it's really amazing the mediterranean diet we absolutely love the food and we we've been through a lot of areas with the olive plantations and um, we were talking about olive oil and as you guys know we're big proponents of using olive oil in your food and in your cooking Um, And Victor was telling us that the life expectancy in Spain is quite high. Can you just tell them about that as well? Yeah,
0: sure. Absolutely. No problem. Well, I was reading in... um, I mean, Spain has been always known for a very long life expectancy. I think right now for women, we are uh, country number three in the world. And for men, I think we are number nine. Mm -hmm. I still have to double check. But I think women... um, I don't. I'm not grown with numbers. Right now in Spain, the life expectancy it's uh, 80, 82.9, wow. which is one of the longest in the in the world. But it recently was released um, an article by the University of uh, um, Seattle in Washington State, talking about um, how it's going to be in the future. And they ended up with the conclusion that Spain will be the country uh, in the world with the longest life expectancy so it's uh, it's quite interesting uh, because it's kind of like surprising for certain people especially since we receive so much tourism into spain so many tourists they wonder why if we spoke, if, you, if we smoke more than yeah in there's another a, lot country, you know, a lot of smoking a lot of smoking in that. spain around 25% of the population smokes in this country yeah uh, elderly and young people but you know no mm. distinctions um, if we drink more alcohol than some other countries, especially yeah. uh, beer and the most popular drink in this country together with uh, wine,
2: yeah.
0: um, why do we live longer than other, other countries? And they ended up in the conclusion that Spanish diet and Spanish way of life in general, it's, mm-hmm. it's the secret of this long life expectancy. To give you a few examples, uh, they ended up with the conclusion that the reason is simple. First. We don't eat a, a lot of red meat in Spain, okay. and our diet it's very diverse.
1: You we, do a lot of pork, though.
0: Yes, pork it's very popular here, but pork depends the way you cure and you cook the pork. That's right. It's, if it's, it's the not traditional way, but it's not considered red meat.
1: No, that's true. They do say it's uh, the other one.
0: <laughs> and but uh, beef it's it's common, but it's not very popular in in Spain. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, we eat a lot of fish, and especially white mm. fish that contains uh, not a lot of fat. Uh-huh. Uh, our diet is based on um, um, olive oil. Yeah. So we use olive oil for salads, for dressing fish, for meat, for cooking, for frying. So it's, it's true that it's, it's part of our basic things in our kitchen. Another of the secrets is the famous Iberian ham. You know, yes. these free-range happy pigs. Or at so least they're good. happy, you know, until we send them to the slaughterhouse. <laughs> <laughs> but uh also and they're fed
1: on acorns acorns correct yeah we fed and them free with, uh, range. acorns and yep. free
0: range so that's one of the secrets of course is the uh, top quality because we have different kind of hams
1: and don't they take like two years to cure the that's, correct. Or something? that's correct that's yeah.
0: correct uh, depends the one that you're eating um, yep recommend around 24 months, I have seen some of them even for 30 months Wow! and uh, it's everything natural in a natural way so no yeah. chemicals or anything and they just cover it with salt, they hang it and they just wait those all these years and the result it's a wonderful meat.
1: And then there's this salted cod which is also... Salted
0: cod, it's also quite popular here, it's very common to see that in the market and small shops in our city centres and uh, they ended up also with uh, wine you know wine it's also mm-hmm. they recommend a glass of wine a day and, mm-hmm. and it's also very common here
1: yeah
0: do it your meal with uh, with a glass of wine also the weather we don't have to forget that vitamin d vitamin yeah. is the only vitamin that you get through the sun, sun. And, and usually mm-hmm. most of the country we can enjoy beautiful beautiful weather all year round mm-hmm. and also it's kind of like the way of life like thinking like I I know it's a very common joke about Spanish speaking countries like Mexico and Spain like (laughs) mañana mañana yes but isn't that beautiful to think that it's going to be a mañana
1: yeah isn't it so well what we've noticed is how laid back everything is and how everybody it's very family focused Mm -hmm. like you go out at night and people are out and about with their kids and their babies and Mm -hmm. they're sitting at cafes with friends with the babies and the kids in prams and um, they're chatting and they just take their time and enjoy themselves. And it's not like a rush. It's not like take away your dinner and rush home and eat it in your house. It's spend that time with your friends. And I think that's one thing that we've said to each other, India and Simi and I. We really have to um, take this home with us because it's so easy to get very busy in our culture
0: that's the the great thing about traveling you know uh, it's um, the good thing about traveling and that's one of the lessons that we have to forget when we leave our our cities we usually we don't like to leave our comfort zone you know our country or our city or our area where we live but help us to appreciate what we have outside yeah but also appreciate much more what we have at home
1: It's so true. That's the
0: wonderful things about, one of the wonderful things about traveling.
1: And it makes you, um, I guess it it really expands your viewpoint of things that we could be doing at home to make our life more beautiful. Absolutely. Because you see other people doing it in other cultures and you go, why aren't we doing that? That's easy. We can do that. We can spend more time with our friends and family having special meals and being out and about and not stressing so much about the time and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and i think that um laid-back lifestyle must kind of contribute to the yeah the long life and also another thing we notice, especially in the smaller um towns that we've stayed in they're very hilly
0: they are you
1: don't see <laughs> and a lot
0: of steps
1: you don't see anyone overweight I'm sure they must be constantly walking yeah. up and down those yeah, steps and true. hills and they can't gain anyway.
0: <laughs> that's true, that's true. Yeah. Oh, you know, wow. and I forgot to tell you one of also one of the most important secrets for this yeah. uh, long life. Siesta. Ah
1: yes. Have I, you noticed
0: that in the small towns I've always had everything siestas. everything close, <laughs> yes. everything close from two yeah. o'clock until five o'clock. Yeah. So it's everybody it's so But unfortunately we cannot do this in the big cities anymore, you know, like Madrid, Barcelona, well, actually where but. we
1: stayed in Barcelona, maybe we, because we were in a less touristy bit, we've stayed in, we haven't really stayed in touristy parts of town, so, which is great, mm-hmm. and there was a little Italian deli across the road from where we were staying um, in Barcelona, and the owner of our Airbnb came and introduced us to him, he said, this is my friend, this is my friend, you yeah. know, and we, we, later on we went outside and we noticed he closed his shop in the middle of the day, oh, poor, poor trees, yeah. cool, um, and we were like, oh, he's he must have gone for a siesta. And yeah. then he came back at about four, opened the shop up yeah. again yeah. and was open till like 10 p.m. Mm-hmm. And we were like, wow, I wish we could do that in a street. But what we've noticed is there doesn't seem to be set times for people no, to be no, open. No, no, and no, no, shut. No, It's not a set time So you'll all. see shops popping open at different times and closed and then open again. And it's kind of like...
0: It's a nightmare when they ask me, where are the opening times in Spain for the shops? Yeah, there's shops
1: no here. opening there times. There are no opening times. <laughs> <all> just, right. <laughs> if you feel like opening, you open. If you feel like having a, yeah. a nap, you shut. I love it. (laughs)
0: Exactly, exactly.
1: I was telling Fuad about it and he said, we should have opened Quirky Cooking in in Spain. We just, you know, take some time off, have a nap. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, sounds good. (laughs) But, yeah, that's... It's such a different way of life and I really... I really and as
0: I told you it's is is it. some of the lessons that we learn about traveling as I told you. I'm sure you have seen things in Spain that say, Oh my goodness, I don't like this and I don't like this is but this <laughs> is the great thing about traveling. Yeah. Because you you learn to appreciate much more and the more we travel the humbler we get.
1: Oh, so true.
0: That is you know, because we realize that probably how far is Australia from here? I don't know, probably like thirty <laughs> hours flying yeah. where we are right now. But you look the country and we are so similar in so many things.
1: Yes. Yeah yeah but
0: look at such a long distance so with this kind of things we realize that we live in such a small world you know it's so small
1: we do and people um need the same things everywhere Mm
0: -hmm. Um, you know we
1: need that community and the the sense of belonging and the love and the um you know the healthy food and the fresh air and it's just so good to see the way that people live in other cultures too and to realize there's things that we can learn from each other
0: absolutely great right. absolutely
1: yeah we've we've really enjoyed so some of the foods i have to talk about food of course um some of the foods that we've really enjoyed um Let's see. There was the cheeses, the manchego. Man- yeah,
0: manchego. Manchego. Cheese,
1: yeah. It's a sheep's milk.
0: Sheep, yeah, exactly.
1: Wish we could take that home with us, but they <laughs> won't let it on the plane. No, <laughs> no. And the on. can't take that either. Um, there was what were some other ones, kids, that we loved. They're not going to talk. They're sitting in the back of the car being quiet because they don't want to be on the podcast. Chickens. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was the, the, the fried pork belly? Um, chi- is it chicharrones? Oh, chicharrones. Chicharrones. Thank chicarones, you. Yeah. Peter, pre- Peter pronounced it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> chicharrones.
0: The right way this is in Spanish is chicharrones. Chicharrones. Ah, oh,
1: oh, Because there's a Spanish
0: R, but it's in the
1: middle. <laughs> that was good I am a bit of an addict of pork belly um, oh, look at the view this is amazing so um, yeah I'm just speechless at the moment because the views too amazing but wish you guys could see all this but if you want to see some photos of where we've been traveling just go on to my Instagram and look on the highlights of my stories and there's Spain highlights there is a lot but you can flick through quickly (laughs) and if you ever come to Spain um, definitely go to the south come to Malaga and um, look up Victor he's on Instagram
0: (laughs) we love Malaga
1: we love Malaga is it all one all together all together on Instagram look it up (laughs) Um, he's the best tour guide ever so you must make sure that you go on
2: a tour with victor
1: <laughs> all right guys well i will let you listen to the main podcast now um it's with christopher Pajoli, who is a occupational therapist and gaps practitioner in the atherton tablelands back at home and we talk about how to help kids with um diet sort of kids that have trouble with fussy eating or they have behavioral issues um things like ADD, ADHD, um, even like autistic children, how to help them to eat well um, when they refuse foods, and she has some really great tips for parents, Um, really good. So I hope you can um, listen to that and enjoy it, and we will see you when we're back in Australia. Bye. Thanks, Victor.
0: Thank you. Bye-bye.
1: Hi, Crystal. Thanks so much for coming on the show. So good to have you.
2: Hi, Jo. Thank you for having me. Lovely (laughs) to be here. We're just having a bit of a laugh because we recorded half the
1: podcast and then I realised I wasn't recording.
2: (laughs) So we know what we're going to say already. We're all all (laughs) practiced. Take two. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, dear. See what happens when Pawad's not here.
1: (laughs) We miss you, (laughs) Fufu. (laughs) <laughs> oh dear. Right. trying again all right so um what we're talking about today is um crystal's work as an occupational therapist and how she uses a natural health approach um and focuses on gut health as well and how she can help families um with really fussy eaters to begin eating well and we um, want to sort of go into that sort of thing a lot. But first of all, we might just get you to tell your story, Crystal, and just um, share with our listeners who you are and what you do and how you got into it, if you don't mind.
2: Okay. Um, well, I guess I'm a homeschooling mum and that's how Joe mm-hmm. and I met each other.
1: About 10 years ago, I think
2: we were in homeschool groups together with our kids. Yeah. Yeah. So- Joe was like a bit of a mentor for lots of people homeschooling in our group. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, and so I'm at home with my six kids a lot, and at the same time I'm an o t and um I was telling Joe before that I kind of came to be an o t It was sort of a little bit by accident really because i um i wasn't really sure what to do at the end of grade 12, which is like a lot of people, Mm -hmm. and I was really interested in art and interested in um, being a naturopath as well. And um, my dad was like, you know, he was quite traditional and he didn't want me to do art or to be a naturopath at that point. So I just sort of randomly selected something then. I didn't really care too much what I was going to do. So I sort of stumbled upon occupational therapy, but it turned out to be just the right thing for me. I think because it's such a broad career and you can really make it what you want it to be. Um, so I've specialised in working with kids and that's that's really grown out of my love of of children. So I remember even when I was young I loved kids so much that I was like the town babysitter and always had a tribe of kids that I'd be looking after or teaching how to swim and things like that. And, um, and then, yeah, I became interested in natural health as well. And uh, it's only really since I've been um, having my own private practice, which is, oh, it's eight years now, huh. that I've been able to blend those two together a bit more. Um, so I guess using OT strategies um, as a foundation and then bringing a natural health sort of bent towards that and using down-to-earth strategies with families lots of play therapy um and uh you know lots of i guess not so much high-tech solutions but sort of just the the lower tech down to earth which is
1: what we need we were talking about this in our last podcast um you know ah. you, can, you go and get a diagnosis for your child and you know there's sort of you're given a bit of basic information but So many parents feel so overwhelmed with the practical
2: everyday implementing of that information, and that's where you guys are so helpful. Mm, I think that's where what OT is all about, really. I'll often tell children and families when they come to see me because it's it is a bit hard to understand what OT does, but really we're all about helping people with the tricky stuff and yeah. the stuff that drives you nuts every day mm-hmm. or the stuff that you wish was better or that you wish was different or that you wish you could cope with. That's yeah. really what OT is all about. So, um, and, and how wonderful to have that support
1: as an overwhelmed parent, just needing that day-to-day support. It's so
2: good to have that. Yeah, I think, you know, I think um, it's nice that it's becoming you know, just more accepted to be able to get support because yeah. it's a big, it's a really big job being a parent. And sometimes yeah. I'll say to my husband, I think I need to see someone who does my job. <laughs> <laughs> um, they just need to help me a little bit. Yeah, Abby, <laughs> but Abby, I think it's really, yeah, it's something that we could all do with, you know, because we all need help trou- troubleshooting and mm. someone who's objective a fresh, a fresh set of eyes. Yeah, they can just give you these little aha uh-huh sort of ideas that you're like, "Oh, yeah, sure. I should have thought of that." And yeah. it can just change the whole atmosphere of the place. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: Um do you want to give us some examples, like specific examples of the types of kids you work with and what you do, just to give us a bit of a picture?
2: Uh, yeah. So, I guess I guess it's um really quite broad. Um mm-hmm. And, yeah, but if I just think about my caseload and what's the common types of things that I see people for, um, I guess I see a lot of children who are young children and we might be doing developmental assessments and looking at their development across the board. Um, so, you know, they're fine and gross motor skills, cognitive skills, sensory processing skills and imaginative play skills, all of all of that sort of thing, visual processing. And... Um, just helping them in their areas that are challenging but leading them by the areas that uh, are their strengths. Mm -hmm. Uh, I see a lot of children for things like anxiety and anger management. I'm um, I'm an OT that's um, considered to be a, it's called a better access to mental health OT. So I do a lot of mental health work in my practice with children as well. So lots of things to do with self-regulation and challenging behaviours, mm-hmm. and um, so I'll have some families who come to me just for OT type strategies, and then I am also a gaps practitioner. Got psychology syndrome, which I think everyone listening would probably know. Yeah. <laughs> so um, you're on the right podcast. Yeah. So, <laughs> So I sometimes see families just for gaps consultations, and then other times I'll see families who uh, want OT and gap strategies um, for their child's needs. And that's probably that's probably an area that gets me really excited. Because, uh, those families things tend to progress really quickly, and um, you know they become empowered very quickly, and they. They tend not to need me for a very long time. I might work with them fairly intensely at the beginning but then I'll phase out uh, much earlier than I would yeah. if they weren't using both strategies together, So, which is awesome. That's what I love. Yeah. I love for them not Working to need. yourself out of your job. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the aim of my game is for them not to need me. So, yeah. Yeah. And um, when you
1: are working with families who have never heard of gut health issues, they really have come in for just OT, are you able to um, show them how that's another section that they can look at or how does that work? Is it more if they
2: ask? Um, it's, I'll often try and bring it up. I love Dr. Natasha's you know, book, and probably one of the things I'll often say to people is, you know, if you like reading, you could just have a read of this. You know, you don't have to feel like you're going to have to do the protocol, but it will really help you understand what's going on. Yes. Because I think that I find, yeah, I think when I first read her book, it was probably the first moment in my career where I went, ah, oh, that finally makes sense. Yeah. in my practice and. Um, you know, because I was utterly confused about the great increase in things like autism and ADHD and anxiety and and very challenging behaviors it's it's changed a lot in um, the time I've been in ot so yeah, so I will often direct them towards that. Uh, I yeah. do have some families who are just not interested at all, and yeah my um I have a overarching philosophy really that the parents are in charge and they are the authority for their family. So I always respect a family's perspective. So if they want to use medication or, Mm. um, you know, if they want to do different things for their children, I respect Respect that. Yeah, of course. And, you know, I'm not going to be making them feel uncomfortable about that choice. So my aim is to be supporting them in the way that's going to work best for them. Mm. Um, I mean, it is different for every family depending on, um, you know, the season of life and
1: how yeah. much stress is going on as to how much you can handle changing, you know, in your world.
2: It's little yeah. by little, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And, um, and, you know, there is more than one way to skin a cat and yeah. it's not for me to really judge what mm. it's like to live in their life because yeah. I'm often only with their family for an hour at a time so yeah so yeah but then i have other families who say to me that they're really interested in um improving their child's gut health they might not be ready for gaps Mm -hmm. and we might look at ways that we can tweak things and um you know what can we start doing to improve their child's nutrition so things like phasing out processed foods increasing good fats um and you know, just starting to improve the microflora. So, yeah, just heading them towards gaps, I guess. Yeah. Um, and for some families that is a really great um, approach because they might then come to me in 6 to 12 months and say, do you know what, after doing that I actually feel ready to do gaps. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, and there's, you know, it's a really exciting time that we're living in really because there is so much information in the mainstream and so much encouragement and so people are learning more and more about it so I might just make mention of it and plant seeds and yeah I might find more information out somewhere along the way and so I kind of I don't feel this pressure that I have to be encouraging them to do it right now even though oftentimes when I'm sitting there with them I'll be thinking oh you know yeah, healing that would be what <laughs> There's would help there. so much. <laughs> so, yeah, but but, you've yeah, got to be ready to, for it for sure. Yeah, I have to see. You know, <laughs> it's not my journey, it's their journey, so I yeah. can't really push them to to be doing what, what yeah. I think is best. We're walking together really. So. Yeah. Well,
1: what I'm fascinated with is the way that you use your um, OT work to help kids with fussy eating and um, I remember you telling me a while back that um with a lot of OTs as they bring the foods in help them bring foods in it's more you know it's the traditional western diet and the white starches and things like that um that's included in the diet but you like to use the more healing foods and help them to bring those in so I'd love for you to talk um, to our listeners about how you do that because I know there's a lot of parents out there listening who really want to help their kids to have a more varied diet but they have such difficulties with the, with the um, maybe the textures or whatever it is um, and they don't know where to begin to help them eat well. So if you could give us some ideas on that, that would be awesome.
2: Okay. Um, well, it's it's um again it's such an individual thing mm-hmm. um probably i'd say it's good always to keep in mind the bigger picture so the the bigger picture is that our microflora and how healthy the gut lining is will be driving us to eat particular foods mm-hmm. so um so you know i guess when you keep that in mind and keep in mind that you're you're trying gradually to improve the health of the gut lining and to heal and seal it and that that will make it a better environment for increasing the variety of foods that they're happy to eat over time. Yeah. Um, then you can just not get so caught up in the fact that they won't eat these beautiful foods that you've prepared right yeah. at that time.
1: You've spent hours. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah you've spent hours in the kitchen and, you know, they don't want your stock. <laughs> um, but anyway, thank goodness for the freezer. Yes. Um. So yeah, like I said before, I I do tweak the starting stage with some families. So sometimes it is easier to start with full gaps, or some families' intro mm. diet's not going to work. Um, it it depends a lot on the individual. Yeah. So that's one thing to think about because sometimes it can be a little bit easier to be introducing food, full gaps foods than intro. Oh, definitely, food. yeah. Um. Another thing I do find helps depending depending on the child and their age and their understanding but I find it really helps to educate the kids about what you're doing and why you're doing it and um, you know the language of kids is play so even with older kids I find that it's nice to explain it in fun playful ways to you know draw Dr Natasha's picture of the gut lining and explain about the enterocytes and the microflora and things like that and I'll play Nerf gun games with them where we're an enterocyte <laughs> army and we're trying to wipe out candida or something like that. Well, not wipe out candida because it's got a purpose to... Yeah. Um, Reduce. But yeah, we're just knocking it back <laughs> if it's taken over the joint. So, um, so, yeah, so... And I guess remembering that you're on the same team with the kids. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, they... They might be saying no to your foods, but if you see yourselves together looking at um, this issue of food and how to heal and seal the gut lining, you're not working against each other and they're not working against you. It mm-hmm. can just help to remember that you're on the same team. Yeah. So um, another thing, another bigger picture idea I'd say is to be um just thinking of what meal times feel like in your family and trying to do what you can do so that it feels like a happy special time so yeah. and that's actually more important than what they eat at that meal it's i more agree that it feels nice and it feels happy and it feels like you're connecting mm. and if possible you're trying to eat with as many people in your family together at that time as you can it's not not always possible with our lifestyles but that's actually a point that um
1: our last interviewee talked about with kids with ADD, ADHD, anxiety that family meal time is so important
2: yeah it is and it's hard you know um it depends society (laughs) yeah it is it is I find you know lots of um lots of families have people who are working long hours but even if um so, I guess, for example, in my own family, my husband's a farmer, and he does work really long hours, so it's often that he's not having time to eat together with us, but when he is it's you know it does feel extra special, and I know everybody will remember that we had lots of family times, yeah, together.
1: and I find because my husband shift works, and I find oh, that, yeah. yeah, even when it's just and like all of my kids work now at some you know yeah. two of them are part time and two of them are full time, so it's kind of like this coming and going, but whoever is there, when you sit down together, you have those good chats and it feels, I don't know, it's much more fulfilling than when everyone scatters to their
2: bedrooms. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 So, yeah, so that's a, a thing to just be thinking about um, because, yeah, I guess that does allow you to then focus on connecting with them and enjoy yeah, sharing food together rather than thinking, or did they eat enough broth or did mm. they did they eat, um, you know, did they get enough probiotic foods or, <laughs> or yeah. So, mm. yeah, so that would be something I'd say to, important. to consider, um, yeah. Mm. So um, I was just going to think then about the sensory aspects, I guess, like what you were talking about before, that some kids might be, Bit uncomfortable with different sensory aspects of food, and that can be a reason for fussiness with food. So, um, so I do find that if there are sensory issues with food, I do find that once you've been in the swing of gaps for a while. Um, you know, the sensory receptors will have detoxed and will have cleared and will be working much much better. So a lot of those issues will resolve themselves over mm-hmm. time, uh, which is, you know, one of the really exciting things about GAPS. But it's often just in those earlier stages where it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, so, how you
1: actually get them to start eating the healing foods. That's the scary bit.
2: Yeah, yeah. And so that's where... So... um that's one place where I do feel like the ABA or Applied Behaviour Analysis techniques, uh, Dr Natasha does talk about them in the back of her book Um, and there's also some nice stories on the GAPS Australia website Um, and, you know, just talking about using a reward strategy for each mouthful even if you need to in the early stages. Mm -hmm. So um, because often once they're through the first couple of weeks they'll start to feel that, these foods are making me feel so much better and i actually want them and again it's that microflora has changed as well and so they're they're wanting to eat those nourishing foods um so yeah as much as i don't i don't really love approaches that use rewards um to i guess be changing children's behavior but this Mm -hmm. is one case where I, I think it does work well because you're you're phasing it out you know you're actually doing some healing and um and then you're going to be phasing those rewards out as you go so yeah. it's not a
1: yeah it's not a long-term thing
2: yeah no it's not a long-term thing and it's just it's just considered to be a short-term thing so um so for non-verbal children Dr Natasha talks about using non-gaps foods like non-gaps preferred foods as a reward for each mouthful and then reducing increasing the number of mouthfuls they'd have to have before having the reward and then just phasing that out fairly quickly yeah Uh, and for verbal children using using rewards so i have have worked with a family where we did use um they had sort of little jar of wrapped presents wrapped Mm -hmm. tiny little presents and that was used as a reward in the early Mm -hmm stages. It was actually a family who'd been on GAPS for a number of years. Mm-hmm. Um, they're a, a really great family that I've worked with for a long time and um, they'd been on GAPS for a long time but um, we worked out that the child needed to do a period of no dairy and it was really, oh, it was just, you know, that was devastating for him. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we actually used those reward strategies during that patch yeah. um, to just get him through those stages and then, you know, we followed the reintroduction before he was able to introduce dairy again. Yeah. And that worked well? Yeah, it worked really well. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah, it was just for that, that period. I know that a friend really of
1: mine used the star chart type thing. For, oh, yeah. Yeah, and she said because her kids are quite, were quite small and that yeah you know, once they got so many stars, then they had, you know, whatever it was, an outing or whatever it was. And she said that worked really well. And they just, like you said, keep getting um, bigger goals. So at first it was like, have some peas on your plate and not freak out. That was the first step. (laughs) Like the second step was lick a pea. (laughs) hold a pee in your mouth you know just gradually increasing so is that the kind of thing that you find you
2: need to do uh, with some kids yeah that's actually a really classic therapy strategy right. um yeah that's one of the ideas I was going to mention today is sometimes oh, yeah. no no it's great that <laughs> you brought it up um because sometimes it is um you know slow. if you're thinking about the whole lot of people's senses so sometimes sometimes kids just don't even want to look at food yeah they don't want to touch
1: it don't have want to have a meltdown it. if you put it near them you
2: know so yeah yeah so um so a great idea can be having their own plate with their food on it and then having an extra plate where they might choose to put two different foods or even just one food that they haven't tried before and yeah they might be able to touch that food or smell that food or mm-hmm or kiss it or bring it to their lips, or um, I like I do like to bring play therapy in so even having one of their toys there and feeding their toy and that's a good um, idea yeah sometimes sometimes just being really fun and playful with it is a great way of breaking down tension with children so and you'll know and situation it would totally change it yeah because because even that it can feel a little bit pressured and you know like oh mum really wants me to eat this pea but Mm -hmm. then if you start playing games where you've got a little teddy and ah the teddy's scared of peas and you know the teddy (laughs) gets terrified and runs away and they will just think that's so hilarious because they'll probably try (laughs) and terrify the teddy with peas or you know (laughs) maybe even you or something like that they'll just think it's so funny yeah um so usually you'll know you're on the right track with play therapy sorts of ideas if there's lots and lots of giggles, so yeah. um yeah, so that's one thing that I do like to do, so yes, keeping in mind to try and be you know encouraging them to gradually expose those senses to foods and not worrying if it's just one sense at a time that's it's good to go slow, yeah, um, especially if they're really, really anxious and stressed about trying new foods. Mm. you just want to take them gradually towards the edge of that place where it feels uncomfortable but not into the edge where it makes them not not over the edge where it makes them feel anxious and upset yeah around that edge if you can introduce some play and some fun and some giggles that's where you are usually able to extend that edge out further so oh, yeah. yeah so that's a i don't know if that made sense but it no, totally makes sense it's really good yeah and um, before when
1: we were recording, and I accidentally wasn't recording, <laughs> we were talking about, um, you know, there's often reasons why they won't try foods and um, you need to sort of look into that first sometimes. Did you want to talk about that again?
2: Um so were we talking about the textures there? Is um, that what yeah, we...
1: you, I think you were talking about the way sometimes they can't move the food around in their mouth oh, properly that's right. to okay. keep an eye on that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, as an OT. Sorry. No, that's yeah, okay. okay. I'm trying to remember how we got yeah. onto it. <laughs> um,
2: yeah, well, that's actually um, one thing that OTs and also speech therapists because it's, this is an mm. area that OTs and speech therapists both deal with and sometimes together, sometimes separately in it often depends which therapists have an interest in it but um, you know some children they might not be liking particular textures because they might not be managing them so well in within their mouth just even the feeling of it the food other children they might be having trouble moving the food around their mouth so we use a lot of what's called lateral tongue movements so side to side tongue movements when we're chewing and moving food around our mouth and some children that's difficult for them so you know you might often see that for children who've um got a bit of difficulty with speech and pronunciation and things like that it could also be h- impacting on their chewing needing right um and uh, yeah so sometimes it can be that we um just need to have a little look at how they're eating um because you know, maybe we need to be changing the types of textures of foods or, or helping them with those movements or helping them with the sensory aspects of different foods to be improving that whole area. Um, so um, I guess like even another example is sometimes children might have a really strong gag reflex and... Yeah. Um, So particular textures might trigger that gag reflex. So we might need to look at grading the textures of foods to um, make it more manageable for them so that it's easier for them to swallow without triggering that gag reflex. And again, you can bring the play therapy into that then so that you can be giving them a a food that's getting towards their edge of triggering a gag reflex and then doing some fun play therapy stuff right at that moment when they would swallow so that they'll just forget about oh, that's being true. scared and um and then just swallow and oh. just learn to overcome the gag reflex that way. So oh. so yeah, there's there's um I guess sometimes it is more about behaviour and just likes and dislikes and that's where the ABA strategies and the rewards and the star charts and just being playful and all of that sort of thing really help. Um, Yeah, it can help a real lot and then other times it is that the child's genuinely having difficulty managing foods in their mouth or managing textures um, and they're just really averse to the feeling of different foods. Mm. Um, So, yeah, so OT and speech therapists will often be looking at grading the textures of foods that we're giving children to help with various issues. Yeah. Um, And making it easier for them but but a lot of the traditional example of the grading of foods like what kind of um okay so um i guess to give you an example i'm just thinking of a child i've worked with recently who was not able to chew. so he he actually ate a wide variety of foods he's done a bit of a period of gaps Mm -hmm. um his mum cooks really great variety of foods but he um tends to use a um like a real tongue thrust i I'm, right. I'm trying to show you with my tongue, but he really sucks <laughs> his tongue up to the top of his mouth, and that 's how he squishes food, so he has Down syndrome right he also has autism, yeah, and he really sort of squishes the food um with his tongue just up and down and and then swallows it, so it doesn't so not going doing to, that side to
1: side maybe. yeah,
2: it wasn't going to the sides at all, mm-hmm. so even with that, he was actually able to eat quite a wide variety of foods you know his Mm -hmm. mum would make quiches and things like that and he was able to eat banana and um all sorts of different mixed mixed textures textures of foods he really liked his food so um but yeah when I saw him eating he didn't really have any side to side movements so none of those lateral tongue movements his teeth weren't involved really at all and so we one of the first things we did was introduce two text two different textures of foods. One's called hard munchables mm-hmm. and one's called solid meltables. So mm-hmm. you know, those are both funny words. Solid meltables? I, Is that like chocolate? Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> sort of. More like meringue. Sort oh. of. One crunch and you're done, sort of thing. Ah, yes, yeah. and so so those those names of those textures come from a a therapy program called SOS, um, which lots of speech therapists and OTs right. use, and people who are using the, that program, they very traditionally will tell you to use things like cruskets or cheesels or yeah, or, yeah. Um, I don't know. There's a whole lot of just regular stuff. Western <laughs> foods. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of really quite horrible things yeah. that are not helping your gut lining that that are solid, meltable textures. Mm. Um, so um, and hard munchables would be things that are not going to break down. You're going to be able to sort of put it between your back teeth and have a bit of a munch but it's not going to break into pieces so it's not going to be scary with pieces falling off and causing gagging or choking for a child who's not used to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so things like a carrot stick or a piece of dried fruit or dried mm-hmm. sort of jerky or um even things like snow peas or beans or Mm -hmm. uh, cheese or things like that that are that they can sort of have a little bit of a munch and go oh you know something's happening there but it's not it's not really threatening yeah so we introduced foods of both of those textures for him and when we gave them to him we really put them between his back teeth and we did a lot of massage of his cheeks to really stimulate that area because he just hadn't had much input into that area at all he's very hypersensitive to mm-hmm. any touch in his face and yeah um mouth area which you know that's a whole nother story but it's improved mm. a huge amount with lots of um, massage and different different yeah we did a lot of massage when he was eating those foods, and within i guess within three months he's now chewing so oh, isn't that awesome? yeah, so it's very been very exciting to watch. He's had a great team. I
1: yeah. can't take
2: the credit for it at <laughs> all his mum and the people working with him in his daycare have just put in his mum and his dad sorry, they've put in heaps of effort and oh, that's uh, so but good. yeah, it's really exciting to. To watch, yeah, you no, know, he can enjoy a broader range of textures, and he can actually. So he's just starting to to be chewing. So I wouldn't say that he's fully.
1: Yeah, but you've seen the improvement.
2: But yeah, he's actually able to chew chew things between those teeth, and um, and and
1: you're able to um, sort of adjust those usual recommendations for the foods that they use in the SOS to make them give them healthier Uh, options. That's what you often do, isn't it?
2: Oh, definitely, because I'm sorry, but I just can't. (laughs) Yeah, she's (laughs) all. Oh, yeah. It's funny. I have this memory of a long time ago when I was a young OT doing a joint session with a speech therapist, and (laughs) um, it was to do with sensory aspects of food with this child, and she'd bought these really revoltingly horrible um, sort of really processed little tiny jelly things and yep. all sorts of chips and things and so she was trying to get him to work on different textures and she kept saying, here, here, Crystal's going to eat one and I'm going to eat one. Oh, and she was no. she was really, really cranky with me after the session because I just kept going, I'm really sorry but I can't. Yeah. <laughs> that was probably the moment in my career where, where I thought, I, I cannot use processed foods to help children with issues with eating I just can't be part of it it's kind of like one step forward two steps back isn't it because you're damaging the gut
1: which is going to make the situation worse
2: yeah it's all tied in it's all tied in together and probably even at that point in my career I didn't really know the link no between it but I just knew that it wasn't good and so I was just you know I I just couldn't really be a part of it and I was thinking no there has to be a a better way mm. and so yeah so I've probably just developed a little list of of things probably the solid multiple texture is a bit harder to find things that mm. are not processed but you know when you start thinking gapsy sort of things you can easily come up with Something. some ideas and yeah. that meringue texture even like a savory meringue yeah is pretty easy oh, um yeah. So, yeah, that's actually pretty easy to make and you can make them savoury or you can just make What them do you put honey. in it? I'm just curious now. <laughs> uh, just uh, probably depends on the stage, but I would probably just even do sort of herbs and garlic or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, not much at all.
1: I'm just wondering and, if you can do a cheesy meringue.
2: Yeah, you probably could. I haven't tried. I haven't tried oh, that. I haven't my too. brain's ticking. <laughs> yeah. but there you go. You could think of some good meringue yeah. good meringue ideas. Um, <laughs> Yeah, because with the sweet ones, I would just do honey. Yeah, um, and that's pretty easy. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and um, freeze drying some yeah. foods. I haven't done a lot of that myself, but I've had families tell me about doing that as a solid, malleable texture. So, they um, they they get their own freeze dryer. Ah. Uh, No, as in I think they just puts put things in the freezer and sort of just like ah okay yeah yeah and you know how yeah and then melts yeah yeah and then yeah so I haven't actually tried that myself but um, but that would be the perfect texture freeze dried foods wouldn't it yeah I think so so yeah it's probably something to experiment with a little bit as well freeze dried strawberries are yummy oh really have you ever had those oh they're amazing.
1: Oh. <laughs> I think I've had them I think I got them at um yeah. actually I had freeze dried cherries in Tasmania and they oh. were the bomb but they cost the bomb too. <laughs> oh
2: well that might be because there is this little section in our IGA where they have had yeah. these I'm the pretty sure
1: I got the strawberries from there.
2: Yeah, I I don't remember which which fruit I tried, but I rem do remember at the time thinking, oh this would be a really good yeah. <laughs> And you actually, go. you can get these like chicken broth chips. That's um, true. You can, yeah. Which I they I see now they've got one with macadamias in it Ooh. as well. And um, I did try. I, I, I nice? did try them. Yeah, they were actually really good. Ooh. And they were when I ate them, I did think, oh, that would be a really good, solid, meltable sort of texture. So go. because oh, a yeah. lot of kids um, who don't like different textures, funnily enough, they'll usually all like crunchy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think um, we all crave crunchy, don't we?
2: Yeah. So that can kind of and and crunchy's a bit hard to find in gaps. Mm, it is. It's hard to get that crunchy like pork cracklings are nice chicken skin, fried chicken yeah, skin. Cr- yeah, chicken, yeah. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> well, yeah. You can get your chicken skin in bulk. <laughs>
1: yeah, so good.
2: Yeah, so um and then probably you know You would already know lots about these sorts of things, but jellies are also another Mm -hmm. good thing that you can make. That's often a texture that kids will like. So I do have some families where their kids will just have broth as jelly for yeah.
1: So especially if they don't like drinking a hot cup of broth, why not do it like a jelly?
2: Yeah, yeah, or ice blocks, ice blocks. Um, some families do, or do they they, do make like a
1: chicken stock that's really mild without the salt and add it with fruit, or what do you do for it? No,
2: us? Um, the families that I've worked with who've done that, they have just literally made savoury ice blocks. So, right, yep. yeah. Yeah, so, and their kids have been right, really into them. Mm. I personally, I don't love ice blocks, so I personally haven't been into them. <laughs> yeah, I'd go for the jellies. Yeah, yeah, but that's, that's um, you know, mm. that's another um way to be doing it so yeah so so basically you're
1: saying um for these kids that are really fussy um getting the different textures in um is really important and you just you sort of start with working on that or
2: um i guess it probably does depend on the child but, mm. but i guess even if you just think to yourself you know what what are the sensory aspects of the food that I'm that I'm wanting my child to eat because it might help you understand what they're not liking about it so even yeah. if you just as you're eating that food you just notice how it feels in your mouth and try and notice the the textures so um so just the the piece of food that comes to my mind is say a piece of capsicum but you know we might think oh there's nothing too major about that but if you think about that in your mouth there's um, there's three different textures with that food. So there's the skin, which is quite shiny and harder to chew. And then there's the sort of, you know, that mushy sort of aerated sort of bit. Well, not really mushy, it can be crispy too. i do yeah. not sure the word for that. that. Yeah, it's a hard texture to describe. Yeah, so um, but then when you chew it, um, there's juice that comes out. So... Uh, there 's lots going on with a food like that, and so some children might just genuinely find a food like that with a lot of textures and a lot happening. They might find that too much and too overwhelming so if it does seem like your child 's having problems with food because of textures, then I would say just um pair it back to easier textures, so to foods that have you know just one sensation. Or, or then working towards two sensations at once, um, and trying not to have too many textures on the plate. If it's if that if it really does seem to be an issue for your child, yeah. Um, so, and then like I said before, you might not have to do that for too long because the more you heal and seal the gut lining, the better their sensory receptors will work, yeah. and so hopefully they'll hopefully they won't be as disturbed by textures of foods quite quickly so they'll start to expand their. um yeah tolerance. I mean it's ha- it's it is happening for for many children you know they heal really fast and mm-hmm. um you know it pr- sort of brings to mind a child I worked with a few years ago he was about 11 and he did GAPS and within three weeks his sensory receptors had changed so much wow. that um, he was able to smell for the first time in his life. He'd never really? smelled.
1: 11 anything. years old?
2: Yeah, he'd never <laughs> smelled anything and his mum probably hadn't really even known. She knew he had a lot of sensory processing issues but she didn't realise that he couldn't smell. Oh. But his first smell was wet dog <laughs> and he was <laughs> sitting with the wet dog and he said to her, what is this thing about this dog and it's going up my nose and what? Oh. Is it? so she wow. realized that he was able to smell and so they went to the spice cupboard they sort of explored the whole house then smelling oh, that's so that. exciting yeah he'd never smelt before so that was really exciting and wow um you know gaps constantly amazes me that was yeah. just a few weeks and those receptors cleared and oh, unbelievable. um you know,
1: we're working. I never even thought of kids not being able to smell. Wow, there you go. So that's like a sensory
2: processing thing. Yeah, I guess so. So he had a number of sensory issues, and they all resolved really quickly. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I find some of those really unusual sensory issues will resolve really quickly with gaps. And yeah. you know, they you still need to keep doing gaps for a while. They might disappear within the first. You know six months or so, and mm-hmm. you still need to keep doing it until they don't appear when you reintroduce it. I'm sure mm-hmm. all listeners would know that, but um but yeah, it's very exciting how quickly sensory processing tends to improve, so it's amazing, yeah so but wow. but probably that's um kind of um makes me think of the play strategies that we were talking about before yeah. and just um encouraging people to sort of think about um how to be making it making things fun with their kids mm. and um you know having giggles at the table <laughs> well because uh having fun and um having those giggles that just calms down an area of your brain called the amygdala mm-hmm. and for kids with sensory processing issues and with anxiety, that area of your brain tends to be really overactive. Yeah. So things that make you feel happier and and those laughs and giggles will often just settle that area down and that's mm. a better place to be, you know, enjoying and eating your food. So,
1: I remember when I was doing, um, I used to do parenting um, classes and things for parents with tiny babies and, um, one of the things they talk about is the, how kids, babies are more receptive, feed better, um, sleep better when they're happy. And it talked about how you can see, you know, the forehead, you can see the lines um, that are different when you're stressed or when you're laughing. You can see the difference in the eyes oh, and the yeah. forehead. And it talked about um, with babies how... Um, they're so much more receptive when they're happy and you can see that difference in their in their face and in their forehead and they will feed better. And it's the same as they get older, isn't it? You know, you're going to find them much more open to eating well if they're happy and receptive to you. And so the relationship that you have with your children affects all of this so much, doesn't it?
2: Uh, yeah, definitely. And for them to be finding things fun and I know um you know I don't know about other mums out there but even though even though I'm an OT and I do play therapy a lot as a mum sometimes it's actually hard for me to be playful and yeah,
1: fun at those times <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, you got a lot you got a big load
1: yeah. so
2: but it's funny because probably one of the people well two of the people who've inspired me most to be playful would be my husband and also my mum and uh. they've got some really fun ways that they've um encouraged kids to eat at my table and I've actually even used them in therapy sessions oh that's awesome Um, yeah one of them's called don't let the monster eat the next mouthful (laughs) (laughs) Um, and that's a really fun game my mum made that one up and she's so she'll load the spoon and say now whatever you do there's a monster sometimes comes to visit and whatever you do do not let the monster eat that mouthful i (laughs) not going to get very cranky and so then someone might whisper to them you know quickly quickly eat the mouthful when they're not looking and so you know then you can have a big meltdown that the monster's eaten all (laughs) the they find it hilarious so yeah I did I would use that strategy in a therapy session with a family last week and and you know it was quite funny actually because the there were two children with autism and I was doing it with one of them and he absolutely loved it. But his brother was sitting there the whole time saying, there's no such thing as monsters. Monsters (laughs) are not real. You are just pretending and you're trying to trick him. (laughs) So it doesn't always work. Yeah, depends on the kid. Yeah, (laughs) completely depends on them. But, you know, um, yeah, just having fun with it and, and taking the pressure off. And and actually that reminds me another really big thing that I would say and I see it all too often. I, I so often see families come and see me and they'll say, my child will only eat chicken nuggets and chips. Mm. And I'll think, well, how did that get to be their option that yeah. they were able to eat just chicken nuggets and chips? So, so one thing I'd say to families who are doing GAPS or working on healing the gut lining, I'd say, if you're presenting options and you have options in your house that you're happy with, then allow the kids to choose and trust their choices, yeah. um, you know, because if chicken nuggets and chips from McDonald's aren't options, then it's not such a big deal, you know. If they, if they want to eat, uh, you know, five boiled eggs or, or <laughs> yeah. um whatever it might be, if it's an option that you're help it, help, happy with then just trust them and go with it mm-hmm. and, you know, because there might be a reason that they're wanting to eat. Craving it. Yeah, there might mm-hmm. be a reason. So, so, yeah, I guess in my own family I tend not to be too worried if a child goes to a stage where they say to me, no, I don't really want to eat that particular thing. Mm. um I don't really fuss about it too much because there's so many back. other good options yeah there's lots of good options and um I know that they you know even if they say no I'm not going to eat anything well they'll come back to those things yeah um and we do that as adults don't we you
1: know we'll for a while go th- I'll, sometimes when I'm traveling when I get home all I want is lamb broth and then oh yeah and then I'll have a Have it for a few days, and then I don't want it for a while, and then Mm. I want salad, and you know, you kind of go through stages yourself with your body telling you what you need. And I think it's the same for kids. But like you say, you've got to have the options there, and the ones you don't want them to eat, obviously, don't have them in the house. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. in front of them.
2: Yeah, exactly. Because for those kids with. Where you know there, where there are significant gut health issues and where the microflora are out of balance, and those microflora are driving choices towards usually processed carbohydrates and things like that. Mm. Well, if you're providing those options, you're just feeding the beast, really. Yeah. And it's it's just it's not gonna go it's going to go away. Not go forward. No. So mm. yeah, but have you ever read that article? by Dr. Natasha called One Man's Meat. Bizarre. Yes,
1: yeah. I love that article. Yeah. I, I link to it a lot. I, I'll put it in the show notes in case any of you listening haven't read it. It's so good. You, want, yeah. you can give a little overview of it if you like.
2: Yeah, well, basically she's just saying is, you know, trust, trust what your body, especially as you get healthier, especially mm. as your gut lining is healing, trust what your body's wanting to eat because there'll be a reason why and... Yeah. I know myself as my gut lining healed, I felt like I really was absorbing the nutrients of yes. food and so I really did feel like I would be drawn to eating a particular food for a while, like I might want a lot of mushrooms for a while and mm. um, or tomatoes or something like that. I, I felt like my body was really using the nutrients from the food. It, it still is really. Yeah. So, yeah, so I'm happy to trust that.
1: Yeah. That's so good. That's a really important point. I also wanted to mention when we were back when we were talking about having fun and reducing the stress around mealtime, I know when my kids were little and because we were homeschooling and we were there all together and sometimes some days, you know, the maths and the whatever and everything just got so stressful where you'd have kids having meltdowns and um, to sit at the table and then force them to eat something they didn't want was just all too much and so I used to just on days like that I would get a picnic blanket and we'd go outside or even go to the river or the lake or something and we'd still have the same meal that I was going to give them in thermoses or just if we were out in the backyard we'd just take it out there but laying it out on platters on a blanket in the backyard under trees and laying on the on the blanket with books and picking at the food was a completely different ball game to sitting at the table and saying, now hurry up and eat your lunch.
2: Yeah.
1: Everything would change and I would just go, okay, we're just having a break from school for, the, for, for a while and we're going to just focus on enjoying each other and being outside and it would completely change everybody's attitudes and things would go so much better after that. So sometimes you just have to... Um, think of a different way to do things don't you
2: yeah that's yeah that's exactly it and thinking about what feels nice and nourishing to you too because because mm. yeah we get caught up in what we're wanting to happen and um in the particular you know we really want them to get healed so I'm we focusing just see on that end goal yeah but but it's a process and We've got to have fun along the, the way. <laughs> we to enjoy it. It's funny because we're both sitting here in monsoonal rain. Yeah, right? we <laughs> are. I really want to imagine having a picnic. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> we used to have it on rainy days. We used to have our picnic under the kitchen table. We just oh,
2: had- did you? Okay, yeah. You put a big <laughs> blanket and torches. <laughs> And it's so oh, fun. <laughs> okay, my, my kids will think I've lost it, but we're going to have a picnic the table, <laughs> table today. We want a photo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, so wow. much fun. All right, well, we should probably finish off because we've been
1: nearly an hour plus half an hour of not recording. <laughs> I'm <laughs> yeah, so sorry, Half for an hour of practice <laughs> talking. <laughs> yeah. But we've had a great time, so I hope you guys have all enjoyed that. Crystal, do you just want to explain where people can find you online?
2: Yeah, sure. I've got a website, www.thewholechild.com.au um, and a Facebook page, um, which is uh, Whole Child, Whole Family. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm based in Atherton and I do face-to-face consultations and also Skype um, appointments as well. And I'm also happy to for people to email me. Um, I'm often easier to catch on email than phone so but yeah my contact details are on that web page and you can find out more about my uh, business and what things i'm into on there awesome and i'll put
1: the links in the show notes as well yeah thank you so much for coming on the show that was awesome i learned heaps and i hope everyone else did too so thank you so much and
2: hopefully we'll get you on again sometime no it was great oh thanks joe that was heaps of fun thank you Awesome. Okay, everyone, have a great week. Bye. Bye.
0: This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com for slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives.